Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Matt Mitchell, the running editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. All right. My guest this week is Jeff Stern, who, in addition to running trails professionally for Solomon, is also the assistant editor for Ultra Running Magazine, where he does a bit of everything, from long-form profile writing to his weekly What's Up in Ultra column. I had him on shortly after they announced their Ultra Runners of the Year Award, a title the magazine has given out to the top male and female trail runners in North America since 1981. We ended up spending some time chatting about this year's winners, the awards voting process, a few surprise names, as well as just some general musings on trail running media. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Jeff happens to be a hell of a runner in his own right. So we also get into some of his own exploits on the trails, including how he made the jump from racing bikes professionally to racing ultras, goal setting as an athlete, his gnarly JFK 50 quad dipsy double to end 2022, and a whole lot more. But before I bring Jeff on, I want to remind you guys about our annual Blister Summit, which is now right around the corner. From February 12th through the 16th, we'll be hosting a series of summit events in our hometown of Mount Crested Butte, Colorado, and we've got a bunch of really exciting stuff on tap for it. There'll be plenty of on-snow activities and demo opportunities from industry-leading brands, panel sessions with company founders and professional athletes, nightly gear giveaways, and a whole lot more. For more info on what to expect and how to register, check out the link in the show notes. And finally, if you've been enjoying the conversations I've been having on the show, please do us a favor and leave us a rating or review. Little things like that go a long way in supporting the podcast. Okay, let's get right into my conversation with Jeff. All right, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, so I thought we could kind of take a two-pronged approach to this discussion and start by talking about um, your athletic career and how you got into running and tie that into your role as a member of the media. Um, So I thought we could jump in by talking a bit about, yeah, your background. Can I walk me through how you got into running? Because I know that there's not really like a conventional way people get into trail running. So it's a question I like to ask. Um, So how'd you find the trails? I think I want to start with a story that I maybe haven't told many people. Um, I got an internship my junior year of college at Cal Poly with the San Francisco Giants. Um, And I actually ended up taking off like a whole year of of college or almost a whole year of college to do it because, you know, the baseball season lasts nine, ten months, uh, if you're lucky, if they have a good year, um, which which they did happen to have that year. And... uh, I was fortunate enough to fall in with some of the people in the front office that were super fit and active and uh, into doing fun challenges. And there was a group of us that uh, that ran the the upper, the top deck stadium stairs from one end to the other, sometimes back um, once a week. I forget whether it was Tuesdays or Wednesdays. And um, I joined having been pretty inactive, I would say, most of my uh, collegiate career. I didn't pursue a sport or anything really just kind of skateboarded and surfed and um but I had been kind of yearning for something like that like getting diving into into something new and um 
it really just inspired me to pursue, uh, you know, a, a new athletic career away from like team sports, ironically enough, like working for the Giants, uh, but wanting to do something on my own. And um, there was another intern in the office who also grew up uh, in in Marin and and had run the Dipsy race as a kid. And and he told me about it and, and got on my ear. He's like, oh, if you're running all these steps, you're going to be perfect for the Dipsy. And I'm like, what's the Dipsy? Like, I've never heard of it. And uh, I ended up doing some research and being like one part dumbfounded, one part kind of excited that it was so close to where I grew up. I, the dumbfounded part, I was like, how did I not know about this growing up? Like I, I knew that other friends had, but I, I had never heard of it. And then and also just excited, like, wow, all this history is just out my back door that I, I never even knew. Um, and so I kind of like parlayed all the stair running once a week as an intern uh, with the Giants into into running that the, the, my first Dipsy that summer. And um, and I think that was 2009 or 2010. Um, I guess it was 2010 cause it was the year they won the world series. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of a monumental year for me. I mean, to take time off school and, and kind of work for, I was a baseball player growing up, I guess, taking a step backwards So work for like my, you know, dream team and have them have such a great season. And then also for me personally to like find this sport, um, and this event and this race that just really launched me into, I mean, I never would have imagined that it would take me to where I am today, but, you know, fast forward 14, 15 years later, I've done the Dipsy every single year since. Um, I definitely, as you alluded to, was more of a cyclist for a while. And I, I did the Dipsy off of bike fitness for a long, long time. Um, but then recently in the last five, six years, I've, I've become more of a, uh, I guess I have definitely become more of a runner. I don't, I do like, like bike commuting and pedal, soft pedaling around, but my days of riding hundreds of miles each week, um, they haven't been there for a while. I might go back to it sometime, but, um, yeah, I guess that's kind of a funny story that I've, I've never really said before. There's a couple things I want to address. Um, one, we've talked about the Dipsy um, a few times on this show before, but I was wondering if you could provide some context to uh, what it is and, and why it's so meaning meaningful. Yeah, I think it's known as the oldest trail race in at least North America. Uh, I think there are some older ones around the world, perhaps, but and the Boston Marathon is the only foot race in in the country that's older. Um, it's about 10 years older, maybe 15. So it starts in Mill Valley. It goes up and over Mount Tam, a place that, you know, whether you're a hiker or a biker or a runner or just, you know, love beautiful landscapes. I think a lot of people have admiration and respect for Tam and, uh, ends at Stinson beach. That's not necessarily what makes it special. I think the unique handicapping nature of it, where the oldest and youngest competitors start up to, you know, 25 minutes before the younger, faster people that are in their prime. Um, and then it's really just first to the finish line wins. So another story I like to tell, I don't think it was the first year I did the race, but maybe the second year, I, I believe it was the hundredth annual, um, a seven-year-old girl out sprinted a 64-year-old woman for the win. And they started in that same first handicap group. So they were the first to leave downtown Mill Valley and, I think they were pretty neck and neck maybe even switched the lead a few times over the course of the of the day but there's there's a finish line shot of like this little uh old mill second grader old mill school kind of right there by you know the where the dipsy goes through in in old mill park um you know out sprinting this kind of gray-haired granny who had actually had won the race before so she's like a world-class uh master's athlete 
And I just think, I mean, that is just, I've probably told that story so many times. I'm sure other people do too, but that, that is the epitome of the Dipsy is like, you know, people like Alex Varner and Eddie Owens, like they can win any other race anywhere around the country. Right. But like the fact that, um, you know, a young seven-year-old can outright win a really historic prestigious trail race and beat a 64 year old woman, this woman, uh, Melody Ann Schultz, who's like a Dipsy legend. Um, I just think that's so special. And there's really, I mean, there are other handicapped races around the world, but, um, I don't know. I just was instantly drawn and that just sucked me in. And obviously I'm, I'm addicted. And I like to say there will be a time when I don't run ultras anymore. I don't run marathons. Um, and, but I always do the Dipsy. I just, you know, having grown up in Mill Valley and my mom grew up in Mill Valley, it feels really special to me. And I can't really ever imagine being anywhere on the second Sunday in June, except for, um, in Mill Valley and, and then at Stinson. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's just so much like folklore uh, around that race too. Like there's like, you know, shortcuts and this race starts with 500 feet of climbing on, on steps. Um, and it's a single track trail too. And it's like kind of you know technical in places as well so there's a lot of like jostling to get out in front um so even if you're not running it it's a it's a hell of a race to spectate for sure yeah i mean i that's one thing i like about it too is there's people all over the course like in mill valley up at the top of the steps crossing highway one in mirror woods obviously at stinson it's it really feels like the whole community comes out it's almost like the super bowl of marin in a way um, and it feels special and, you know, you do it enough times and the same volunteers are at like every corner, like my elementary school PE teacher from park school in Mill Valley is always at the bottom of insult, which is like the last hill coming, you know, coming from the bottom of steep ravine. And I can always count on him to be like, like, go Jeff. And like, dude, I've known this guy for like 30 years. And he always has one of those counters and is able to tell me like pretty precisely when most people aren't like exactly where I'm at and like how many places I need to move up to, you know, get into the top 20 or top 10 or whatever. And I don't know. I mean, like, that's the kind of stuff that I just love. I mean, yeah, yeah. Jim, my PE teacher is still out there volunteering all these years later. And, you know, we used to run the mile around Boyle Park for PE. And like, you know, here I am, you know, doing the Dipsy as an adult 33 decades later. Like that's, that's pretty special. So we'll uh, talk more about uh, the Dipsy a little bit later because it, it definitely ties into another race you ran last year. Uh, But changing gears, I guess, and no pun intended. uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, your cycling career because that it that to me is like a very um i guess alternative way to get into trail running usually it's it's the reverse usually all these runners just get so beat up that they have to have to find a new sport in, in cycling because it's not uh not as um i guess destructive on the body as as running is uh is is kind of the choice um so how'd you get into uh competitive um mountain biking and road cycling yeah i mean i i really just jumped right into it. It started with mountain biking. I did my first mountain bike race ever was a hundred kilometer, um, race up at North star in Lake Tahoe. And it was, I honestly don't even remember why I registered for it. Maybe it was like some foreshadowing for like the ultra endurance running that I was going to get into, but like who signs up for a hundred kilometer bike race, their first bike race ever. I, I, I don't even remember what I was thinking, but that was, probably about a year after I did the, my first Dipsy and I had gone on like a big bike touring, um, like road trip kind of adventure down the coast and to the Grand Canyon. And 
really felt like I just had like an aptitude for like long days in the saddle. And I had, had always mountain biked, like dabbled in, you know, growing up on Tam and in Mill Valley, um, but never like taking it seriously. And, but I had also always, always been a competitor. So it seemed like it just made sense to me. And, um, I jumped in and, uh, ended up doing well enough to qualify for Leadville, which was, you know, a huge hundred mile bike race that, I also had never heard of, but I was like, oh, that's cool. And it was three weeks later and I was like, well, why not? Like, so I went to Leadville and then my second bike race ever was a hundred mile bike race. So, um, I think from there it just kind of snowballed and, um, it was around that time or I had just moved down the coast to Santa Barbara and there's a huge road cycling scene in Santa Barbara. A lot of, you know, big pros go there in the winter to train because there's great mountains and good weather and, it just seemed kind of natural to like do both of them, you know, a little bit of road, a little bit of mountain. Um, and yeah, I really, I got sucked into it. I think like a lot of people, uh, especially in my twenties, there's this whole category upgrade system and I've always been like driven, like that's the way my mind works, I guess. And so I just kind of went after it and started racing a bunch and upgrading and traveling around and collecting points. And, um, and yeah, I, I did a little bit of mountain, but I was definitely more focused on the road. And, um, I kind of like, I like the team environment, like the tactics involved in road racing and really learning, learning all about that. It's like, you know, chess on two wheels, they like to say, and it was, you know, you could be the fittest person or feel like you're the fittest person on the, on the bike in a race with a hundred guys. And that does not mean you're going to win the race. Like there are so many other factors that come into play a lot, like, you know, running too, or ultras even for that matter, where like you could be the fastest person. You might be the only sub four minute miler in the field, but that doesn't mean you're going to win the hundred K or the hundred miler. So, um, it was really challenging and like in the, uh, kind of the middle levels, like the intermediate levels, i I was finding, that I was struggling a lot. And I finally kind of had a breakthrough after about four or five years, kind of when I was almost 30 and upgraded pretty quickly in the last few categories. And, um, and then that was kind of around the time that I made a switch to running. I just, I burn out on it a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I feel like I learned, I know a lot of people would consider it a backwards approach to getting into running. Like you alluded to, like people go to the bike when they're injured kind of thing. Um, but I learned so much about like eating and drinking and endurance and I, just all these, these skills that apply kind of across the various, um, sports. And I really do feel like it, it gave me a little bit of a leg up coming into ultra running. Uh, obviously there's a lot to learn and the body needs to adapt in different ways and running is super hard, but it was kind of like a nice little, like maybe half step up or just launching pad into, into more of the ultra stuff that I do do now predominantly. What was that adaptation process like, uh, when you kind of switch sports? I distinctly remember my feet hurting all the time. Like the, I think the muscles and the tendons and the ligaments, like they just been in these tight shoes for so long attached to pedals and like my quads were strong. My legs were strong. I've always had a little bit of an upper body and, uh, like carrying water bottles was never a big deal, but like yeah, my feet. I remember telling my coach like constantly that year, which was like 2018, I think was the first year that I really focused on. I'm like, 
my feet are just always kind of sore. Like I, I'm like wary of like, is it a stress fracture? Like what's going on? So I think the biggest, I mean, there was obviously a ton of adaptations that happened, but um, yeah, the, the, the muscles and all that stuff in your feet was just, it was, it was new for me to be spending that much time pounding on my feet. And so I approached it pretty methodically and like didn't pile on too much volume that year and um, was really thoughtful with rest and, and realizing like, Hey, if I want to, you know, make a go at this, I need to be smart. And you can't, you know, on, on the bike, you could ride a hundred miles. Well, I mean, like I did, you could ride a hundred miles, like your fourth week of, of training. Um, but like, and you probably could do that running wise, everyone's different, but I think I was, I, I came in it with like the long-term lens and, um, yeah, I, I feel like that was the right play and has, has more or less paid off to where I'm at right now. Yeah, take me through uh, the first like handful of years in your your running career uh, because you had a lot of success pretty quickly. I mean, you've you've been um, I guess running under a professional contract for with Solomon for what I think like three years now. How did that kind of come about? When were you like okay, like I could translate the professional success I had racing bikes to um, racing ultras? Yeah. Um... I guess, well, I mean, the Solomon thing came about literally from an email to uh, the team manager and then a phone call and then another phone call. And then, you know, it just seemed like a good fit. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just feel like I've always been a a fairly mature racer and, um, you know, maybe that is sometimes handicapping. I tend to maybe not take too many risks when I'm racing, which is something I'm I'm, I'm working on and improving, uh, hopefully this year a little bit, uh, because with, with risk comes reward obviously. But, uh, yeah, I just, you know, again, like the, the skills, they transfer over. And I think I was able to, you know, run a bunch of 50 K's and get up to 50 miler and, um, and, and just a lot of it was been like, like listening to the body, um, for me has always been really important. And, um, you know, dialing back when you need to and, and pushing when you think there's an opportunity there to try new things and, and kind of reach new heights. And, um, it's just been, yeah, a very, it's as much, I mean, as anyone would say, kind of, uh, a mind game as it is physical. And I think I learned a lot, um, you know, on, on the bike, uh, mentally, just, just getting through a lot of long, hard days, you know, six, seven, eight, ten, twelve 12 hours. I did a couple 200 mile rides that I think, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm ready for a hundred miler, that will, that will pay off. I can lean on those a little bit, but yeah, just, I've always kind of had that methodical approach, which is, has been super beneficial. Yeah. I think especially coming from a, a strong cycling background, volume probably isn't an issue for you in terms of like committing to spending time out on the trails. Like, you know, you go for a two hour bike ride and you're kind of just warming up. Whereas like that can be considered a, a long run for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sweet. So why don't we jump forward a little bit and talk about uh, last year for you? Uh, what were some of your goals heading into 2022 across like a broad spectrum, like athletically, professionally, personally? Yeah, um, I actually, it's funny, at the end of last year, I, I found a piece of paper where I had written down my goals. and Perfect. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me right now, but I generally have them. And I think I, I checked off like most of the boxes, um, if not all of them. I really wanted to uh, have 26.2 redemption. I had a really poor uh, last marathon that I ran in 2019, and that was at Boston. Um, and I ran like 
20 minutes slower than my qualifying time. And so I, I wanted to run a marathon PR and get back to Boston, which I achieved pretty early on in the year. So that was, that was huge. Um, in terms of other athletic goals, I really wanted to also run like a 50 fast 50 K and a fast, fast 50 miler. And I did both of those. I think it's actually just looking at some of the ultra running sets at the end of the year. I think I ran the 25th fastest 50 K in the country last year. So pretty good. Um, so yeah, that, those are some of the athletic goal. I mean, keep my, the Dipsy streak is important to me and, and also kind of continuing to get, um, like top 35 and get a black shirt. So I, I did that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I went back to Mount Marathon, which is another super old and historic race, which I think we might talk about later. And I had a pretty poor race by my standards there in 2021. And so I, I went back and had a much better race and still left a ton of room for improvement. So that was, that was cool. Um, those were like my main, my main goals uh, from an athletic standpoint. I think from like a career standpoint, I was really looking forward to sliding into this new role with ultra running magazine as the assistant editor. I'd been a contributor there for like two or three years. Um, and so that was, that was really exciting for me professionally. Um, and then just life goals. I mean, I had lived uh, t 10 years, the last 10 years in Santa Barbara, sunny Santa Barbara, and it had been a great, um, a great place to, you know, tap into my endurance engine as a cyclist and, um, you know, get out there and figure out what it is I want to do in life and, you know, make a bunch of mistakes and friends and all these things. And, um, that chapter kind of came to a close and in a roundabout way, I ended up back in Mill Valley, um, back home where I grew up. And, um, it's, it's really special being back here and it reminds me how beautiful this place is and all the opportunity that abounds and reconnecting with old friends and meeting new people and, and falling into a new community has been cool too. So yeah, 2022 was, it was a good year for me. Um, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it was like a perfect, like hundred percent year, but I think, you know, no one really has those years except for, you know, maybe Adam Peterman. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was a good, like launching off point to another, another year and, a, you know, another kind of set of goals and, um, you know, undoubtedly getting after and achieving some of them. And I'm sure falling short of others and, and, and staying hungry for, for years to come, which I think is all part of the process. And, you know, part of being an ultra runner, part of being a person in this world. I want to talk uh, really briefly about how you ended last year uh, with the quad dipsy, I guess the JFK quad dipsy double, which was like separated by, I think, five or six days or maybe a week. Yeah. Can you take me take me through like your your uh, rationale behind uh, <laughs> going out uh, of 2022 in style? Oh, it was completely irrational. Let's be honest. Um, I, I also coached people and it would be something that I would not only never advise, but I would say is very ill-advised. Um, luckily, I have like a very wise and understanding coach and um, it actually, you know, I think was more logical than illogical after I took a step back and like thought about it. Um, JFK, I think probably it's really clear to you and after anyone who's listening to this, like I love historic races like the Dipsy, Boston, Mount Marathon, you know, all races that are a hundred years old or, or older or around there. Um, JFK, I'm sure many people know is the country's original ultra, right? It's, it's, 
really old. It's more than a half a century old. And this past year was its 60th annual. And I had kind of targeted it as like, I want to do that. It's, you know, a round number, like let's do the 60th annual. And so I'd been thinking about it for a few years and, um, I poured my heart and soul into the training. I honestly had, I felt like I had never been fitter in my life and, um, the race, you know, I got the 50 mile PR. It went pretty good. Um, you know, but like anybody, I think I have high standards for myself and, um, I just didn't really, I don't know. I didn't have the fire for whatever reason on race day. And I, you know, was leaving DC, like walking in the airport. I actually remember like interviewing Adam, um, about his JFK experience, uh, Adam Peterman, who had won it in 2020 or no, sorry, 2021. Um, and he's like, man, I, I was at the airport the next day and I couldn't walk and I couldn't walk for a week. And then I was thinking like, what's wrong with me? Like I'm walking fine. Like my body doesn't even hurt. Like, so, you know, there's two different things you could take away from that. One is, wow, you are really fit. Like to run, I don't know what I ran, 607 or 608, like a, a really good time um, and maybe fall short of some of like, you know, your ultimate goals, which is like being more competitive at the front um, is, you know, like that's a good sign. Like you recover well, you're in a good place physiologically. But then on the other flip side of the coin, it's like, well, why couldn't I empty the tank? Like this is the last race of the year I've been thinking about for years, you know, three years, two, three years. Like that's disappointing. Obviously I ran to, I don't know, 85% of my capabilities, 75%. Like what could have been, I mean, you don't want to dwell on the past, but like what could have been if I would have really like raced race. Right. So, and as someone who's a lifelong competitor, I think between the bike and run, I've done almost 300 races in the last, you know, 14 years. And so I, I, I made a mistake mentally somehow. I just, like I said, I wasn't, wasn't clicked in and, um, I don't know. I, it wasn't like a way I wanted to end the year on, um, after putting so much effort into it. And I got home and, you know, I ran like a few days later and I felt fine. And I, I, uh, emailed the quad dipsy race director, John Katz, who's a great friend of mine. And he's, you know, involved with Western States and is just a super guy. And it's like, Hey John, I just, you know, I told you I didn't want to run the quad until the 40th annual, which is this year. That was my plan. Like 60th annual JFK and 2022 40th annual, uh, quad dipsy, uh, in 2023. And because he had invited me to the quad, actually, or when registration opened in August, I'm like, ah, I'm doing JFK. It's, you know, it's they're basically back to back Saturdays. I'm like, that would not be feasible. That would be really stupid. And I emailed like, hey, John, actually, uh, I was wondering if there's any way I could get an entry into the quad, knowing that like, yeah, it was maybe a long shot. The race was, you know, kind of salty. He's like, no, you know, if you want it, it's yours. Bib number 10, show up and take it on race day. Use it if you don't want to use it, no big deal. I'm like, well, that's like the easiest, easiest, uh, into a race I've ever had. And, um, you know, I ran another day, I think, you know, that first run was maybe Tuesday or Wednesday. And then I ran another day, uh, Thursday on Thanksgiving. And I was like, eh, I feel pretty good. Ran on Friday. And I was like, ah. I talked to my coach. He was like, you know, fitness is fitness. Like I had been, mostly doing fast flat stuff with a few trail runs a week here and there, like nothing that I would, um, you know, have done like specifically or what I will do for the quad dipsy, um, 
this coming November, which actually brings about a whole other topic, like what's the appropriate way to train for, um, I think what I learned is like speed goes a long way for me, maybe as someone who is, hasn't been a lifelong runner, like I'm a little underdeveloped in that department, but anyway, so I, I did the quad, there really wasn't a bunch of thinking towards it, except that JFK was disappointing and I didn't want to end the year with that taste in my mouth. And, um, you know, I had no expectations, was just go excited to go out and, you know, run on my favorite trail and run back and forth on it a few times. And, um, I felt amazing, you know, I mean, the, you know, and I'm sure people that are listening have know a little bit about the Dipsy, like it packs a punch, right? Like he, the quad and the Dipsy could take you about the same amount of time. And they're like, polar opposite courses. Um, but I felt great on the hills and the descents. And it was like I had trained for the like the JFK was like one grand final long run before the quad and like I had trained for the quad. And I honestly didn't I, I don't even think I touched the dipsy in the last three months leading up to the quad. So um, I know that's like a long winded explanation. But uh, <laughs> no, there's a lot of good stuff in there. <laughs> I was at Cardiac kind of just hanging out, drinking beer, and I was I was super surprised when I heard that you were like on the heels of of Nick Handel who ended up winning the race. And I was like, damn, that guy just got off a 50 miler. Like, what's what's he doing? Um, <laughs> but no, like listening to you explain it makes a lot of sense. And it seems like you do a very good job of like being honest with yourself. Yeah, I think I think I've been good at that. You know, as you get older, it's it's easier to to kind of manage, uh, those feelings. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I had never felt better after an ultra than how I did after JFK, which was a sign that I just really didn't race to my potential. Um, and then after the quad, I mean, I, I went to TRE, I got sick, I felt wasted. I was like, okay, that was definitely like, that was, it was probably a bit of an overextend. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely a unique experience. I think probably maybe the first known JFK quad double, I don't know, maybe someone could do the research and find out if anyone's ever done it, but I'm, I'm fairly certain they've always been on the same, like the Saturday before Thanksgiving or for the most part, Saturday before and Saturday after. So cross country, you know, completely different races. Right. It's, it's kind of a, a unique thing. I, I have no intentions of doing it again, <laughs> but it does, it does open your eyes a little bit to, um, you know, like do we need to train that specific? Like, should we be training more towards like what our weaknesses are? Um, which I say, like for me, I think as a, a, a relatively newer runner, cause I didn't really run growing up. Um, I think even though I'm 35, I have still a lot of like speed development and obviously the mile repeats and the faster stuff that I was doing in prep for the flat fast JFK, um, paid off pretty big for for the quad as well so um yeah just really completely unpredictable like not what i had planned on um but a really grand learning experience to kind of close out the year and and like you said it, it was a good day second to nick who had an awesome run and um it really excites me like i'm excited about this year um but i'm also like excited to like go back to the quad um you know in 11 months from now or 10 months from now and um and give it like a like a real honest go and 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 do it do it proper so yeah <laughs> cool all right let's talk about um your work with ultra running magazine uh you've been working for them for i think like three and a half years i saw um how did you kind of get into the media side of trail running and um like what's your background in editorial work 
I actually, when I was a bike racer, I, um, I worked for a couple of publications in the cycling industry as well. So I worked, I did some work with Peloton magazine, um, who was based out of Ojai, which is not far from Santa Barbara, California. Uh, I did some, uh, road magazine work, which is a defunct publication. They were down in Santa Clarita. And then I also, I did a little bit for like road bike action and Pez cycling, um, so it just seemed, it was kind of like a natural, um, switch almost like, Hey, I'm not bike racing anymore. And I'm not probably going to be that interested in writing about bike racing or bikes or adventures and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, now I'm running and running ultras and I just, I happened to pitch the editor, Amy Clark on, uh, a column called diamond in the rough up like a profile. Um, and it was actually on, on a guy who, is now launching himself off into the ultra running world, Rod Farvard, who has Bay Area ties and Santa Barbara ties and, and lives in Mammoth. But um, I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And she's like, oh, I love it. And so started there and wrote a bunch of those and then slowly, you know, kind of got assigned more things and yeah, just kind of uh, built up a rapport with her and the awesome small but mighty staff, um, mostly based in Bend, Oregon. And um yeah, I mean, it's been a really, it's been cool to kind of be more deeply involved in the last year or so, um, just because it, it is, you know, an old publication. It's uh, it's pretty unique in that we mostly focus on ultra running, um, you know, independently owned um, or print, which is like few and far between. Um, but yet our subscribership is, is uh, on the up and up every year. And so, yeah, it's just really, really interesting and, and cool to be a part of. And I, I've always, I guess, really liked tying in my work with my passions, um, as you can probably tell. And yeah, to be able to like run and then write about it and then coach other people. I mean, it's like, I, I don't think I really ever work a day in my life because it's, it's what I love and I love sharing it with people and in many different forms and media. So, yeah, I was super shocked to learn that um ultra running magazine has been around since like 1981 which is like yeah, more than 40 years at this point um i remember when i was working at san francisco running company uh we would get like huge stacks of the magazine um every month and during like quiet hours that's like what i would pick up and read to kill time um and like the quality of of the profiles um always just like impressed me um so that's something i I was i was curious about asking you is like how you approach writing profiles and and um what your process is like yeah that's a good question um i think probably a lot like you i mean you're a great conversationalist and you you do your research and uh it helps to know the people but you know even more so it helps to kind of dig around and read other profiles and you know our lives are so online these days, right? Like jump into their Instagram, go on their Strava, like whatever it is you can do to kind of find out background on them. And then like maybe find some, some tidbits that are like, Oh, like that's interesting. I, I haven't read about kind of, you know, this aspect of their life before, you know, whether it's a photo with their dog or, or something, I don't know, something along those lines. Like I really, um, I don't know, draw inspiration from just the, the background research. I think, you know, like really coming up with, you know, what you want to talk about and where you want to drive the conversation. I think people are always 
impressed when you can, you know, anecdotally throw something out like, oh, I remember this little thing. And it might not have been like winning a race, but more of like an interaction that someone had with someone or maybe you had with them or, and that really can like light someone's fire. Like how you were asking me about the Dipsy and I told the giant story, right? Like that's super rad. I've never really written about that or talked about that with too many people. And like, that's how you get the best stories, right? Um, it is really kind of diving into stuff that people don't talk about very often. So yeah, I try and do my research and, uh, I don't know, just really have a, you know, a heart to heart and, and make it feel informal and comfortable. And, um, I don't know, like I interviewed, uh, Adam and Courtney for the ultra runner of the year, awards right around the new year a couple days after the new year and i had actually ran with adam um in bend oregon about a year before and and that was like kind of like a great launching off pad and like hey man i know you told me you didn't have any plan for this year like like you couldn't have planned it any better and you know we talked about like how some of the the pieces fall into place and i it's just it's fun it's like a game and um you know that the the prepping for it and then having the conversation is 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 like some of the most enjoyable time spent because you're learning about someone else. And, um, I I just, I just love hearing other people's stories because it helps to influence and inspire your own story. So yeah, it's really enjoyable. I feel like the best way to get to know someone is to go on a run with them. So you're at an advantage there. (laughs) You're right on that. Yeah. It's super fun. How long does like a big profile like that kind of take you? I would estimate, um, you know, the background research to be a couple hours, coordinating, executing the interview, another hour or two. I transcribe all my own interviews because I I really find like listening to the recording is super um, just beneficial in terms of like kind of starting to craft the story in my head. And, And that, you know, for every hour recording that can take like twice as long so like if you talk to someone and record an hour-long conversation to actually get it down right like constantly be going back and forth and making sure you're getting the quotes right and all of that um, can take like twice as much time so another two hours sorry i'm like working this through in my head i've never really thought about it um then like writing the story i mean you know as a journalist like that could be an hour or that could be 10 hours and then editing it i think can be as long as you've done all those steps properly the edit could be fairly quick um yeah i mean i would say a 2000 to 3000 word profile or it's just yeah interview to story on someone probably takes 12 hours minimum um yeah. maybe like up to 24 hours of work with every all the things involved but yeah it's super rewarding to like be like be assigned it or to pitch it and then go from that to, you know, the final step. Um, I guess the final step's not really like, well, it is rewarding to edit and be like, wow, this turned out, I love it. Or, oh, it could be better. You know, you're not going to love everything that you write, but, but each step along the way is really, is really fun and, and unique and challenging. So yeah, I, I like the process. Do you have any kind of uh, influences you can cite um, in terms of like people that write killer profiles that you look up to? Yeah, I mean, my my editor um, at Road Magazine, his name was Andrew Giuliano. Um, he he was a big influence because he actually gave me like my first quote unquote assignment, um, and it wasn't like a it was more tech or gear related when I first got into it. But he always wrote the 
the tech reviews in like a with a very unique lens like not like super boring nuts and bolts like here's this you know here's the stack here's you know the measurement on the all this stuff like that kind of stuff i think you start to learn that it's not really that different from bike to bike or shoe to shoe like it's um it's really really quite similar and so he was always trying to like write tech and gear reviews that had a story component like something interesting like whatever is like where he ended up testing it or weaving in some sort of element like that and uh, I was like that's pretty cool like that seems pretty unique and so um the first few pieces I wrote for him he's like you gotta rewrite this like he like what he like sent me a couple New York Times uh pieces that were like really kind of in an engaging way to like talk about let's call it a boring subject uh, or something that is not super lively and um yeah that was you know that would have been probably eight years ago or nine years ago and um yeah I remember just being like oh that I like that I like that idea like let's let's turn something something that could be really dry into a really kind of uh unique off the wall um or just really personal i mean people connect with personal things so like if you tell your story or weave it into kind of what's what's going on um there it really can can liven it up yeah it's a super cool kind of creative exercise i find when i'm writing like you know 3500 word shoe reviews uh i think it would be insufferable if they were just super bland and milk toast <laughs> like you kind of have to throw in some exciting anecdotes in there just to keep the the reader's attention do you have any kind of profiles that you wrote that that uh you look on um on fondly as some of of your best work or your most enjoyable um yeah last year was the first year that i got to um interview the ultra runners of the year, um, who were Jim Walmsley and Courtney DeWalter. And, um, it was kind of cool because they were, well, for Jim, he was really, uh, looking towards changing his approach to last season. So he was getting into like Nordic skiing and backcountry skiing. And it was rad because I was just learning to Nordic ski. And so we had like this cool, like, you know, we like sent us, like tips videos back and I don't know it like became more than just like an interview or we weren't like nerding out on running that much I mean we were but like we were talking about skiing and it was kind of cool and then I did the Courtney interview and she grew up as a Nordic ski racer and so it was me like I was like you know asking her for all this advice and I it was like a really cool like wow we're talking to a bunch of older runners but I'm like talking a lot about skiing and so I think both of the pieces ended up coming out and there was like a lot of like skiing involved in it, which was like an angle I would have never guessed, but it was inspiring for me because I was learning a new sport. And um, yeah, I don't know, those kind of stick out in my head as, and also the first time I got to do that, which is it's really honored. It's always an honor to talk to some of the best in the sport. And um, yeah, for, for me as a aspiring or, uh, you know, wanting to be up there in the ultra running community, it's, it's always good to, pick their brain and maybe not share it all and, and and stuff some of it in my back pocket for later and see if it can help me down the line too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I'm it's kind of like almost a part of your training is like doing these profiles and and understanding how other people train because I'm sure they're like pretty forthcoming with you as a member of the media. Yeah, yeah, I know it's 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 pretty cool definitely they're you know they're they're always open to to share more than you would imagine, right? Like they're they're private people to an extent, but I mean, they love connecting with other ultra runners too. And like, I think all these people, like 
every time we start a call, we spend 10 minutes. I, you know, they ask about me and what's going like, how was your year? What are you training for? Like, and I'm always just always so flattered and honored. And they're just such, such amazing people that it, it really, it, it's, it's pretty humbling, but it, it's super cool too. Yeah. Ultra running's at this cool spot. I think where, uh, the stars don't have insane egos like NBA players or NFL players, you know, they're all like relatable, normal people, um, which too often have like full-time jobs. <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I think it's what, it's what draws me into the sport. And I think it's what's drawing a lot of people into the sport. Obviously the growth is huge and it's, um, it's pretty exciting time to, to be here. When did you start your, uh, what's up in ultra this week column for, uh, the magazine? That would have been kind of at the in in the fall of 2020. Um, I just felt like no one, everyone was talking about results and no one was like saying, Hey, here's what's coming out. I mean, obviously there are outlets that do like big, um, kind of previews for the big races, but like generally speaking, no one does like a weekly and I don't know, I, I'm a creature of habit and I enjoy doing weekly things. And I, I saw this as like a little bit of a hole for, I mean, ultra running, you mentioned like we're, you know, over 40 years old and I was like, Hey, we could, you know start doing a preview piece for all these ultras and it's insane how many ultras are happening just in North America every single week. Like I'm talking about like three or four dozen, like in States and places you've never heard of. So it's been really cool to, to see how many little pockets of ultra running, um, there are all over the place. And it's, uh, you're like, wow, ultra running like really is like a, uh, it, it's, it's a popular thing in our country, in our world. And, um, yeah, I mean, it makes me like struggle with like, Oh, I want to go to that race. I want to go to that race. And, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's been a fun one. So yeah, I guess, uh, a year, a year and a half almost now. Damn. Okay. I didn't realize it was that long. I check it out every week and I'm like, I've never heard of this race, but it looks so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you kind of like pick and choose which races to include? Uh, I definitely try and choose like old ones that have been around for a while first and foremost um and then always every week i try and do some a new one or two and then i really i really focus on spreading it around geographically so i don't want to just you know i'm in california it would be really easy for me to list like every ultra in california but i really kind of like to bop it around from coast to coast and everywhere in between because i think it, it's cool to share and like yourself, like get people like thinking, Oh, maybe I could go to like Tennessee or North Dakota or wherever for a race. And, um, yeah, I really just like, it's just meant to be, you know, it's not a, this isn't a type of column that takes hours and hours to write. Right. But it's more of just like getting people to dive into the calendar and open their eyes to a lot that's out there. And, um, I think there's a lot of exciting stuff that people haven't heard of. And if I could get one person to register for a race that they had never heard of and they read about it and what's up and ultra, then I'm, I'm stoked for sure. And oftentimes I try and list like, Hey, registration is still open. There's four spots left. So, I mean, if someone were to be like, yeah, I, I registered that week because I was looking for a 50 K and I was traveling through this state with my family. I mean, that, that would be like cherry on top. So yeah, I mean, I think I'm hopeful that it just helps to spread like the stoke and excitement for the continued growth of the sport and getting new people into it. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's kind of the genesis and idea behind it. 
All right. I want to talk to you uh, before we kind of wrap up this conversation. I want to talk to you about uh, Ultra Runner of the Year, uh, which is an award that uh, Ultra Running Magazine has given out, I think, since its inception. So 1981. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about um, how the voting process for that works and the criteria and uh, maybe like this year's results? Sure. Um, yeah, the voting process, I don't know the exact numbers because I, I don't run it. I am a voter, but um, I'm fairly certain there's around 30 to 40 members of the ultra running media and community um, that have been around for a while that, that vote on it every year. Um, and there's obviously the, the male and female category. There's also like age group performances of the year and then performances of the year. Um, and so each voter is asked to vote uh, in all the categories. And it's a pretty time-consuming process, I think, if you do it right. Um, I think this year it probably took me like almost two full work days. So like, you know, upwards of like 16 to 20 hours just to weed through all the stats and figures that um, Tropical John Medinger, who is the former publisher and owner and editor of Ultra Running Magazine, uh, he still runs that for us. Um, and he does a great job uh, every year. I think he probably starts from the beginning of the year just kind of compiling all the results and, and keeping his finger on, on the Ultra Running Pulse. So he sends out a really long spreadsheet that everyone gets to review and has like upwards of two, maybe three weeks to kind of get their ballots in. Um, and then he, he tallies, tallies the votes for, for all of them. And yeah, then we do this pretty fun. I think, uh, people enjoy this like kind of countdown, um, you know, in the beginning of January where we work backwards from 10 to one and, um, you know, announce them. And then, you know, they all end up with little profiles on our website that people can read more about and, you know, obviously start a discussion and chime in like, oh, I think they should have been higher, or, you know, X, Y, and Z. I think it's all kind of in good fun. Um, but yeah, and then I think, you know, the culmination of it is this this issue that's coming out, the the combined January, February issue. There's a bunch of like year-end stats that also that Tropical John puts together and then like my interviews with Adam and Courtney. So you can dive into like the background and some of their stories about their years they had. And then this year, I'm super stoked. I wrote a column about like who to watch for in 2023, which is a bunch of people that um, or some of them that got votes, you know, that didn't get in the top 10, but still got votes. A couple others that maybe didn't get any votes at all that I had my eye on that I think will have a great year. So that's kind of a new column. And um, so, yeah, it all kind of culminates with this du- big double issue that is is pretty exciting. And you should check out at SFRC if you're in the Bay Area or if you're in Bend, go to Foot Zone or wherever you are. It'll be on shelves here, here shortly. And uh, yeah, that's, that's an exciting one. So, yeah. And then you also get to see, um, you know, a lot of people are chiming about this, like who else got votes and how close people were to the top 10. So that will be printed, um, as well. Like, I don't know whether it's 10 or 15, but I think they list anyone who got a vote. So you'll have the top 10 and then you'll have, could be like upwards of 20 people if they, if they got votes as well too. Yeah. It's a super cool award, uh, that I, I love to follow. I think the the countdown format is really cool. Um, we were supposed to have this conversation, I think like a week ago or something like that. And I'm glad it got postponed because now I can talk to you about some of the results. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, who won this year? Uh, the woman's winner was Courtney DeWalter again. Um, I think it's her fourth or fifth year maybe in a row. 
And for the first time in, again, you know, probably half a decade, um, Jim Walmsley was upended by uh, Adam Peterman out of Missoula, Montana after his, I would argue, perfect year. Well, when you win every race you you run in a year, I think you could say it's a pretty perfect year. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting to have kind of some some new blood up there. And also for me, like chatting with Courtney, I'm like, how do you make it fresh every year? And she somehow, you know, figures out a way to do that. And I actually talked to her right the week she was going to Bandera and I'm like, okay, so like what's going on here? Like she was like, and I don't want to spoil it, but she's really mostly interested in what like the Western States hard rock double looks like. And in a way, you know, now that I think about it, like, obviously JFK and quad were way closer and they're not hundred mile races, but like it's, it's similar in the fact that like Western States is known as a flatter, faster hundred and then hard rock is super hilly hundred. So, um, I don't know, maybe I have to talk to her again and, uh, give her some tips, not that she needs any, but like, she's really, she was just really interested in running that double. And so she's always trying to like figure out a way to, um, you know, to make her, her year unique and, and go after, unique challenges even if it means doing like the same races or, or revisiting races so i think that that's super rad and, and she's going to get the opportunity to do it now too so yeah i think she's one of our sports like coolest characters i look up to her immensely uh, and can't wait to see what she does um this year uh were there any like surprises in the results that stuck out to you there were some people that i had uh, in my ballot or that were like, uh, that didn't make it in the top 10 that I was kind of surprised about. I, I don't really want to like name names, but, um, I mean, the consensus wasn't there. And then there were some people that were maybe a little bit lower, but I think generally speaking, um, it seemed like a really good, a really good, well, it was super competitive year. I mean, like, I think you could probably do like a top 15 or top 20 or, um, but yeah, no, it, it wasn't like terribly surprising. I think, you know, the top top three were kind of kind of obvious a given maybe not ex the exact order but um were pretty obvious but then yeah i think always the top 10 is always interesting and um i'm sure there'll be some new blood in there next year and uh yeah it, it's exciting and we're we're gonna you know try be trying to figure out a way to um make it make it international in some sense and i think you know we have been focused as a North American magazine and we do obviously realize like the globalization of the sport I think from a logistical standpoint it's just with the number of races all over the world and comparing people and it's just really challenging to try and implement but we are going to have some more international coverage this year um, in the magazine and online and uh, we're going to we're going to figure out a way to parlay that in, into voting and, and maybe make some tweaks for next year so stay tuned for that. Cool. Before I get you out of here, uh, we talked about goals going into 2022. What are some goals of yours going into this year? Yeah. Uh, I mean, not ultra running related, but I'm, I'm kicking off the year more or less at Boston. Um, so I'm really excited to like quote unquote line up with Kipchoge, who is arguably the best runner, um, we've, we've ever seen. Um, so that would be really rad. Um, you know, my, my 15th Dipsy, I think, um, I know we didn't really dive into like how I've done there over the years, but I think just with my knowledge of the course and 
getting an extra head start minute. I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really stoked to, to kind of parlay that all into a really good finish there. I think I'm, I'm cap- I'm consistent, but I'm not quite reaching my capabilities. So I'm always excited for the Dipsy. Um, hopeful to, to pace a friend at Western who got injured and, and didn't get to finish last year. So that that's always makes June a really jam packed and exciting, exciting year. And then, uh, yeah, I think some some new exciting uh, writing opportunities with the magazine and, and cool stuff we're doing um, will be will be on the docket. And then uh, I guess I can I can allude to we're 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 bringing back an old race that hasn't happened in a while in the headlands, and um, I'm taking over as the race director. So the rest of summer will be a lot of logistics around that, and uh, I'm excited to kind of do something new. That I mean, I've race directed like high school cross country races, but that's a little different. So uh, I'm excited to kind of bring back a, a old race, but uh, maybe with a little bit of a newer twist. So yeah, stay tuned for more details on that too. Awesome, man. Well, this has been a ton of fun, and uh, look forward to to seeing you on the Dipsy this year. Sounds good. We'll see you out there, Matt, for sure. That's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Jeff for the conversation. Thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from everyone here at Blister, please take good care of yourself, keep moving forward, and we'll talk to you again next week.